than that. I want to ask you to open your Bibles, please, to Exodus chapter 1. Exodus chapter 1, we'll be reading verses 8 through 22. But while you're still going there, uh, I ask that you be remembering me. Uh, I will be traveling tomorrow to Samoa. We're going to uh, be having a special event there in Samoa. Our missionary out of our church, Brother Penny Fafoina and his family have been working in Samoa now for quite a while, I think about 20 years. And they started several churches there and trained some men. And we're having an ordination of several of the pastors there uh, this next Saturday. So uh, I'm going to represent our church. I've never been there before. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. And I want to have a good time there with our missionaries to encourage them and to represent our church during this very important time. And I'll be back a week later. And then I turn around around and make another trip uh, to Nepal with four men from Mexico who want to be missionaries there. They're making a survey trip. And I ask that you pray for us on that trip also. So I'll be gone for about a, about a month on this travels. Brother Wayne is in Houston, the Houston area today, preaching. He had a really rough week. Uh, he had to go up to Borger, Texas to Camp Masterson because the, uh, the, the wife of the director passed away and there was a funeral there. He drove all the way up there uh, in North Texas, so to speak, north of Amarillo, had the funeral, then turned right around and went all the way down to Houston. So it was a lot of traveling. And at his age, it's not easy to do that much on the road. So pray for him. Uh, see, he's, being, he's ministering to others there too. One of the things we need to remember is that our church has a lot of ministries outside of the Fort Worth area. And uh, we thank the Lord for that. And uh, we ask that you please hold the ropes here because that's the job that this church has. If you'll stand with me, please. We'll start reading in Exodus chapter 1. We'll start reading verse 8 through verse 22. <clears throat> now there arose up a new king over Egypt which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply. It came to pass that when there falleth out any war, they join, us, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us. And so get them up out of the land. Therefore, they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Python and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. They made their lives bitter with hard bondage, in mortar and in brick, and in all manner of service in the field. All their service, wherein they made them serve, was with rigor. And the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of the one was Shifra, and the name of the other Pua. And he said, When ye do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women, and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then ye shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God, and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men children alive. And the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said unto them, 
Why have ye done this thing, and have saved the men children alive? And the midwives said unto Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are lively, and are delivered ere the midwives come in unto them. Therefore God dealt wealth with the midwives, and the people multiplied, and waxed very mighty. And it came to pass, because the midwives feared God, that he made them houses. And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, come before you this morning, thankful for a place to meet. Thank you for the freedom we have. We know that the devil hates our nation. It attacked it 21 years ago in a very difficult time for our nation. But I pray, Father, that you would protect our nation, that you would bless it, that you'd give the freedoms that we have fought so hard for and a continuance, that we might continue to be able to serve you in the area that you've called us to do through your scripture. And as we've read this story of what happened long ago in Egypt, may we learn also and apply that to our own lives. We're praying in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much. Oh, almost 400 years before this event, Joseph was taken into Egypt as a slave. Very interesting that the Israelites always were associated Egypt with slavery in many ways. From the time that Joseph went there, when even his great-grandfather, Abraham, went there, it was always a problem. We always consider Egypt to be a a picture of the world. And when Israel went into Egypt, sometimes it was because of God's plan, but still it was a difficult time. It was a time with a lot of problems, a very, very dangerous time, uh, a time when there were many threats to their welfare. Now, Joseph went there, and despite his difficult time at the beginning, in the end, was greatly blessed. He became one of the main leaders of the nation. And of course, during the drought time, during the time of famine, he eventually brought his entire family, almost 100 of them, to Egypt. And they were given the best of the land. And there they prospered. And now, 400 years later, they're a very big nation. And Pharaoh, as we read here in verse 8, says, There rose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. A totally different change in the leadership. The Pharaoh that Joseph had honored him, realized the hand of God that was upon Joseph, was aware of the true God, and because of that, honored the people that God had chosen. And the nation was blessed. Egypt was greatly blessed. And because of that, things were doing well, real well. But now, hundreds of years later, there's a lot of changes. Instead of honoring the Jews, he fears the Jews. He sees them as a threat. He's concerned that they're going to take over, so to speak. That wouldn't have been such a really a bad thing. <laughs> it would have been a benefit to the nation if that would have happened. He was looking at things from a very 
warped sense of, uh, of, of values, we could call it. But this book now begins the story of the exodus, which means the exit, the leaving. And how they were going to be freed from their bondage. The first part of the, of the book is a, is a recounting of the descendants of Israel and how they had grown. And but it, as, 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 as we get here toward the, um, the, the time of, uh, of suffering, and we call it bondage, must understand something, and this is very important. God allows bondage because our suffering or tribulation, because he has a purpose behind it. We find a lot of examples of this in Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 15. Proverbs 13, 15. It talks about the way of the transgressor. Proverbs 13, 15. Good understanding giveth favor, but the way of the transgressor is hard. And in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, in the book of Romans, gave instructions to those who were slaves. Remember, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt. Our attitude in America, and it has been for the last 150 years around the world even, the importance of getting rid of slavery. We're proud that our nation is a nation that has outlawed slavery. Now some people might think that's an outdated thing, it doesn't exist anymore, but slavery still exists to this day. There are parts of the world where slavery still is practiced. It's been practiced ever since the creation of man. It's a sad thing. But here in Romans chapter 6 and uh, verse 16, it says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Or, verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is a payment to be. You have to be obedient, but then also there's the wage of sin. Persecution usually changes our motivation. When things start to go against us, we begin to sometimes examine ourselves. We begin to see ourselves as we really are many times. And as we do that, we say, okay, I've got problems. I need to change. Or sometimes the experience leads us to repentance. You know, it's really hard for a man to see himself as he really is. You know, if you start thinking about it, most people do not see themselves as they really are. Most sinners say, well, I'm not really that bad. Yeah, I'm a sinner, but... My sins aren't that bad. Whenever I hear someone say that, I know they don't know the concept of repentance. Because repentance is saying, my sins are bad. There's a lot of different ways of trying to define and explain repentance. But I think the best one that I've always liked to use is this. True repentance 
is when you see your sin as God sees it. Not the way you want to see it, the way God sees it. That's why we must immerse ourselves in this book. That's why we must study the Bible, because the Bible shows us God's attitude, what God's feeling is about sin. He hates it. He doesn't allow in his presence. His justice forces him to punish it. Just as we read in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. But not only does persecution, suffering bring repentance, many times it also brings redemption too. We find this example time and time and time again in Scripture. For instance, the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. He did not repent until when? He wasn't repenting when he was living the good lifestyle, when he had all the money, when he had all that inheritance to spend. He couldn't, he, he, that, that thought was the furthest thing away from his mind. But when God brought him down to the pigsty, to where he was so hungry he wanted to eat what the pigs were eating, then he repented. And then he realized that if he went to his father, he'd be redeemed. Many times God has to do that to us. Many times when we, realize, we, we see others that need that, it's hard for us to accept. As a parent, I love my children. I want the best for them. I don't want them to suffer. But there are times when God wants my children to suffer. To show them their needs. And you know what the worst thing a parent can do? Step in when God is trying to work in their lives. It's hard. But sometimes we have to say, God, you must let them do what, you must do what you have to do in their lives. Sometimes when we're praying for some loved one to come to Christ, we must realize that to pray for that means to bring tribulation upon them. Because that tribulation will bring them to repentance. Sometimes we want to pray for patience. The scripture says tribulation worketh patience. So if you're praying for patience, you're praying for tribulation. Not an easy thing sometimes to understand that way, but sometimes it's necessary. Now, God wanted to redeem his nation out of Egypt. Egypt was not a good place to be. They needed to leave. But how was he going to get them out of there? <laughs> Remember, as they were later on, had already left, and they were wandering in the desert, they were always complaining about what they left behind. The food. <laughs> the luxuries. Wait a minute, there were slaves, and they were still complaining about the things, that, the luxuries they left behind? Well, I can understand that, because I've lived in many countries throughout my lifetime, and there's something amazing about when you live in a place and you become a, 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 a used to it, acclimatized, I guess you could call it, adapted. There are some things that you begin to uh, accept or even to, to enjoy that if it's taken away from you, you get upset about it. When we lived in Mexico or Honduras, I lived in both those places for a while, 
as you're living there, you're always pining for what you can't have there. I remember Brother Brian Atkinson, when he lived in South Africa, when his parents were missionaries there, the biggest thing he wanted to have when he got home was a Brahms hamburger. He missed the Brahms. Brother Tom was talking to me a while ago about some of it, one of his trips to Nepal. And there in Nepal, it's really hard to find meat. It's a Hindu nation. And he was with another man from our church at that time. And he was staying there for some time. And after several days, four or five days, I don't know how long, he began saying, I, I just can't ha handle this diet. I I'm missing my meat. And so he found a place that sold hamburgers. And he was really excited. I'm going to get a hamburger. And Tom said, no, this is Nepal. It's not going to be what you expect. <laughs> so he got there and found out that the hamburger was soy meat. <laughs> it was a veggie burger, not a hamburger. <laughs> and so it was, oh, I wanted something from home and I did not get it. But here's, here's what happens. This is really what's interesting. You talk to my children who grew up in Honduras. And now that they live in America, you know what they miss? The food from Honduras. <laughs> If I make a trip over there, they say, oh, you're going to have this and that. We talk about the, the different things that we, had, we enjoyed there. And it's true. You begin enjoying those kind of things. And what happened to the children of Israel? They got adapted to Egypt. They got to a point where they were enjoying Egypt. There were things about Egypt they liked. And God realized that that was dangerous and he had to get them out of there. And to get them out of there, he had to put them through some persecution, through some suffering. And it began a lot, it began in a, in, a, in a gradual way. It seemed like it wasn't that much, but they began by putting them under a lot of burdens. It doesn't say how much it was, but it talks about how they afflicted them. And it said to be taskmasters, to make their burdens. In fact, basically he just gave them a lot of work. I don't know if at the beginning they were actually slaves. They could have been taxed a lot. Now you say, well, okay, now I'm identifying with what's going on. <laughs> because today we think about, well, yeah, our taxes are pretty high, aren't they? We're griping about that. But we're beginning to see a pattern. How that Satan hates God's people. He hated the nation of Israel. Now, today, in some way, God's people are different. They're the Christians. And God does... Understand that we've got to go through some trials too, but that Satan hates us also. And he's going to be attacking us. And don't be surprised by what's going on. But realize that God has a purpose behind it. He was going to establish some things later on with this nation that are still with us to this day. The laws that our nation has here in America were being established at this time. The legal system that we use was being established in this nation, as they left Egypt there on Mount Sinai, as God gave them the Ten Commandments and the other parts of the law. But to, for that to occur, God had to get them out of Egypt first. And it wasn't that easy. He had to allow the persecution, He had to allow the trials, He had to allow the bondage. Sometimes we gripe about what we have to go through. I have a son that hates bureaucracy. And it's really, it's really, I think the Lord has a sense of humor. He called him to Argentina to be a missionary where the bureaucracy is 10 times worse than here is in America. 
And I told him, I said, son, you realize you're going to a place that if you, uh, where you ha- has more of what you hate. <laughs> Paperwork and going through all the stuff of the bureaucracy is 10 times worse. He said, yeah, I know. But that's where God called me, so I've got to do it. But I'll still gripe. <laughs> I can imagine the nation of Israel, the people of Israel, griping about all this time during this time. You know, they're Jews. So you know how Jews love to gripe. <laughs> they were griping about it, I'm sure. We know because later on when they left, they were griping about Moses, what he was doing too. They're always finding something to gripe about. Murmuring is what the Bible calls it. I went to a college where they had a sign on the back of the dorm room doors that no griping allowed. And they were serious about it. If you started griping, they would expel you. And you know why? They realized the danger of griping. It's a very dangerous thing for the person who's griping, but it's also very contagious. It makes other people want to do the same thing. But as they were having this bondage, it didn't work out. And verse 11 says, Therefore they set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens, and they built for Pharaoh treasure cities of Pithom and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, they, the more they multiplied and grew. That's very, something very interesting. It's a principle that you find throughout Scripture. The more that you suffer, the more God blesses you. Maybe you've gone through some time of suffering. Maybe you had to go through a hospital stay or, or some other type of sickness. Have you ever noticed that that's the time when you turn to Scripture more? That's when you pray more. That's when you look at yourself some more. Some good things happen at that moment for your soul. So God sometimes says, okay, if that's what it takes for you to do what I need you to do, then you're going to go through the suffering. And he, and we, we must understand that as God does this, we get even more blessed. In Psalm 103, verse 6. Psalm 103, verse 6. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. Matthew 5, 10. You know, injustice is something that we have a hard time understanding. But let's not ever think that the injustice will always go unpunished. Matthew 5.10 says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Our nation is going through a lot right now. We're looking at some things that have been happening in this year that really surprise us. There's been some areas of our national national government that we're happy with. For instance, our Supreme Court has changed the situation for abortion. Now, we still need a long ways to go on that, but at least there were some gains for Christians in that area. But in other areas, there's been a lot of persecution of Christians. Our freedoms are being worn away, taken away from us. And a lot of times we wonder, was well, there really any justice? It seems like Uh, Our system of justice in America has been corrupted. 
There's been selective justice. Some people are being punished, while others who do the same thing, nothing happens to them. And as we see that, we begin to say, this, this cannot happen. But do you realize this is nothing new? It's been going on throughout all of human history. Injustice has always been there. And sometimes we want to we want to gripe, we want to shake our fist and say, something's got to be done. Well, God's going to take care of it. Never forget that. In the end, God is the final judge. And it will be taken care of. It happened here with Egypt. We know what happens later on after this, don't we? Eventually, this great empire, one of the greatest empires that existed at that time, was totally destroyed. It was left with nothing almost. Pharaoh himself was killed. The ten plagues totally economically destroyed the nation. And not only that, the, the children of Israel, when they left, they looted the, the country and took all, all the things of value. All the gold, all the jewels, things like that. The nation of Egypt eventually lost everything. Not only that, but they lost all their firstborn too. So don't let it get, don't let you, don't, don't let it get you down. Eventually God will have the final say. We just have to allow him to run his, let it run its course the way he wants to run it. We have to be patient. We think sometimes Satan is winning. Well, sometimes in some little battles he might have what we might think a little victory. But we know who wins the war. We already know that. So the next step that the king of, of Egypt wants to do, Pharaoh, is, okay, after I put them as slaves, that's not working. Let me go after their children. And so he told the midwives to kill all the male children. You know, in our, I was reading some articles about China here in the last few weeks. It's really interesting. China's having a population problem. What do you mean? Well, wait a minute. China's always had the opposite. Well, a population problem too much. You know that China, they're starting to get worried they're not going to have enough people. They're going the other direction. China had a one-child policy for many, many years. That one-child policy meant that every family was only allowed one child. And if you ended up, if a woman ended up being pregnant with a second child without permission, they forcibly aborted the child. Well, what that caused was people that had a, most people had a, the, the culture of China, the Chinese culture, valued male children more than female children. So, what were they doing? If they found out that they were going to have a girl, they aborted the girl and waited until they could have a boy. So now, 40 years later, what's the problem? Too many boys and not enough girls. They're having a major problem. They cannot get enough marriages. <laughs> now they're wanting to have them, the, the, the government is encouraging families to have two and three children. They've gone the other direction. Yeah, that's what happens when man tries to manage things. He always makes a mess of it. But what happened here was the same thing. Here, Pharaoh said, I want to kill all the male, the male Hebrews. 
Remember, that's going to come back on him. Because eventually he lost his son, didn't he? On that last plague, the tenth plague of the killing of the firstborn. Sometimes we don't realize that God always has the last say. Thank the Lord, the midwives feared God. Let's go to Exodus chapter 1, verse 17. It says, but the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them. Thank the Lord that there are still some people that don't want to do the right thing. I pray for our nation and I thank him that there's still some people that want to do the right thing. Yeah, we're talking about after 40 years of freedom of abortion in this country, things are beginning to change. Now, the Supreme Court did not outlaw abortion. I wish it had. All it did is it passed the buck to the states. Here in Texas, thank the Lord, there's, being, there's some efforts being made to do that. And I trust it will happen. I know that over here there's an abortion mill that was, that was existing, and they've kind of shut that down, but that still has not solved the problem. It's still occurring. And there's not being done, anything done about it. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't help if you pass a law and you don't enforce the law. Now, we find the opposite here. Pharaoh passed a law, but the midwives didn't enforce it. Now, in that situation, it was a bad law. And it should have been enforced. But the Satan tries to do the same thing, too. The laws don't solve the problem. Changes of heart solve the problem. That's what's necessary. Until that occurs, this is not going to be solved. Our nation needs to come to God. But God overruled this law of Pharaoh by touching the hearts of these midwives. It's interesting that here in the scripture, the names that it gives these midwives are Egyptian names. They're not Hebrew names. But it tells us that even though they were controlled by the Egyptians in some ways, their fear of God was greater than the control of the Egyptians. You know, fearing God is a good thing. Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10. Proverbs 9 and 10. A verse that many of us know by memory. Proverbs 9 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. God honored the Hebrew wives because they honored him. In fact, later on it says he built for them houses. Now I wonder how God built houses for the Hebrew for these Hebrew midwives. <laughs> but he blessed them. I don't, I don't think he actually used his own hands to build it, but he provided the resources. He provided the way for them to be blessed because they obeyed God rather than man. Pharaoh's trying everything he can to control this situation. He's trying to put everybody into slavery. He's trying to kill the male children. That's not working. So now he's going to say, okay, the next thing is throw them into the river. Of course, we know 
that as they, he makes that attempt, it's not going to work either because the very man that he was fearful of was born and survived and ended up in his own household. You know, God has a sense of humor sometimes. <laughs> Here is the very thing that Pharaoh fears. There's going to be men raising up to fight against me and God is doing it behind his back and he's putting it in his side of his household And there's a Hebrew growing up in his own home that they're educating that's going to be the downfall of their nation. Now, it's going to take several generations later. It doesn't happen right away. From the time that Moses was born until this all happened was 80 years. It's a long time. But eventually it's going to happen. Why did Pharaoh... Fear the men. Male child. Well, that's really the power of a nation. I'm not being anti-feminist here. I'm not trying to tear down ladies. That's not my joke, my, 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 my goal here. No, they're, they're, they, in God's plan, every one of us has an important part. But God works through the men in a special way. He uses men for certain things that are essential. Just like he has women fulfilling essential roles also. But the essential role of a man is very important. And here, and, and Pharaoh knew that. What did Pharaoh try to do? I'm not talking about Pharaoh. Not only Pharaoh had this knowledge, but other kings are the same way. Remember Herod the Great? When he heard that a man had been born, a new king, he was fearful. And he sent and killed all the children in Bethlehem. Remember that? The same thing as Pharaoh. It didn't work. It doesn't work ever. When man thinks that he can control a situation, he thinks he can control God, he's fooling himself. Whom you fear, you destroy. Not only does God want to destroy it through killing... I'm sorry, not God, but Satan. I apologize there. Satan wants to destroy and kill those he thinks that are his threat, but he also wants to corrupt. In other words, Pharaoh at the beginning tried to do things secretly. He tried to control it through slavery. He tried to use the midwives to secretly take care of the situation. That didn't work. So finally he came out openly and just made a proclamation. All the boy children are to be killed. And as he, does, as he does that, he sows the seed for his own destruction. The reason I'm bringing all this up is because I'm concerned about our nation. Today we're remembering a very important event in our nation. 21 years ago, we were attacked on September 11th. We still remember that. It's a major event in our, in our memories. Some of you young people were not here when that happened. But those of us that are older, we remember that day very specifically. Every one of us remember where we were at when we heard about this. It was a major event in our lifetimes because our nation was attacked. And as we remember that, we begin to be concerned and say, what do we react? How do we react to that? Why did, why did it happen? Do we deserve it? We go through a lot of soul searching. But I, I'm really more concerned with what has happened since then. 
And I am very burdened to see that our nation is getting worse and worse. The things that were a problem then not only still exist today, but now they're in greater amounts. We're concerned about our churches, if they'll be able to continue to exist because they're being attacked. Our economy. Whoever thought that we'd have a pandemic forcing all the churches to close in certain areas of the country. <coughs> We're seeing people do things that it, it just makes our, our mind think, well, what's going on? This week, the Queen of England passed away. And I was reading some reaction to some, to some people that were very evil. There was a woman, when she heard, she was a teacher at a college, that the queen was on her deathbed. She'd not died yet. She said, I hope she dies with the most excruciating pain they can have. How can someone say that? How can someone react to another person that way? But that's what our nation has become. People who are leaders... But let's, be go, let's go back and look at history. That's nothing new. That's human nature. That's the sinful nature. But what bur- burdens my heart, what breaks my heart, is that we're sowing the seeds, just like Pharaoh sowed the seeds, for a very dire future. And I pray that will not happen. My prayer is that God will take this nation and use it for what it needs to be. But you know, if he doesn't, he'll raise up another nation to do what he needs to get done. That's what's going to happen. One of the things that I'm very excited about, and I'm looking forward to happening here in the next few weeks is, I'm beginning to see other countries take up the baton, so to speak, you know, in a relay race. Brother Hudson, remember, gave us a series of messages about the baton and passing on the, the, the baton. And I wonder if that's happening with our nation. If this going to eventually have to pass on the baton to another nation to be a leader in taking the gospel around the world. I'm involved in helping other countries do that right now. I'm taking four men from the country of Mexico. They are in the state of Chiapas. And they felt the call of ministry to be missionaries around the world. And they want to go to Nepal to check out that country. Now, they're unlikely people to do this. Their resources are not what ours are. They are very limited in their wealth, but they're willing to give everything they have for it. And God has blessed them. They've never left their state. They never traveled. They never even traveled to their capital of their country, Mexico City. I'm meeting them in, in about 10 days there in Mexico City. And I'm even concerned about them in Mexico City because they're carrying a lot of cash for the trip. And I'm worried about them getting uh, robbed <laughs> because Mexico City is not a safe place. <laughs> I'm praying for them right now that God will protect them. And then we're going to go to Nepal. They're going to stay there for a month. But on the other hand, I'm excited because I'm seeing God is opening up some doors 
there could be a potential for him using it for reaching the world with the gospel, not from us, not from America, but from other countries. But on the other hand, my heart breaks. My heart breaks because we're not doing what we should do. My heart breaks because we're going through. But, but, but I ask myself, is, it, is God putting us through this so that there will be true revival in our nation? Do we have to get to the point with the suffering? What's going to go on? And we've got inflation. Our economy is going through a lot. But let me tell you, it can get a lot worse yet. We still haven't seen the bad stuff, so to speak. I don't wish that upon our nation. I wish it would not happen. But if God needs to do that for us to wake up, then I must say, God, go ahead. Do what needs to be done. Because being faithful to you and following your will is more important than anything else. And if I have to lose all my goods to to bring about what God needs to be done, I'm willing to do so. But my heart breaks for my country, my people. And Moses had to get to that point also eventually. To where his people could be rescued from all of this. Now remember, this was not a short-term thing. From the time that this started until God rescued them, it was almost a hundred years. Remember, Moses was 80 years old, and this happened before he was born. It's a long time. Sometimes we forget that. But whatever God needs to do, we need to be willing to say, God, do it. And then God can do a great thing. Because he brought out the children of Israel from Egypt and established a nation that exists till to this day. It's been almost 3,000 years. More, almost 3,500 years since this happened. And they're still going as a nation today. And they'll go throughout the millennium. But they had to pay a price for it. It wasn't cheap. I pray that you will realize that the house of bondage is sometimes necessary. But the house of bondage eventually brings God's hand of blessing. You know, the persecution was bad, but every time they had persecution, they multiplied. I think the key verse here is, every time they were suffering, God blessed them. Let's never forget that, 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 that important lesson in our own lives. Father, I pray that you would now bless, as we've studied this, this passage, a difficult passage, not something that encourages us sometimes, but also may, wants to make us think about our own selves. That are we willing to pay the price for you to do anything in our lives? Are we willing to understand that you're willing to take us through some things that are necessary so that we can even be better servants for you, Father? You want to give us great blessings. We thank you, Father, those blessings sometimes come through trial. Now, Father, as we take this time for invitation, as you've touched hearts and whatever it might be, there's someone here that does not know thee as Savior. May they realize that the trials that they're going through right now are being used by God to bring them to the feet of Jesus. And may they surrender their heart, their soul, their life to him so that he might save them and forgive them of the sin through the sacrifice that he made on the cross of Calvary. I pray that that be brought about even this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. What number are we going to sing, Brother John? 153. Number 153, if you'll stand with me, please.
Let's stand and let's sing this verse of invitation. And if the Lord is dealing with your heart, you come forward to the altar. You want someone to pray with you, we'll be glad to pray with you. Whatever God is touching your heart this morning. Oh, to Jesus I surrender. Oh, to Him I free. John, lead us in our ending chorus for the day. May the Lord bless you, and we'll see you for the evening service.